You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Are you ready for another fun-filled episode of Digital Noise? It, it sounds like we should have the radios like, boinga! It's like, this is Chris Crosscox oh, and no. Joseph Wright, the Duke Sulek. The here. Duke? The Duke. I'm a Duke now of all the uh, the land Did that we? I own in uh, oh, Ireland yeah, or something like that, whatever so. the hell it is. Yeah. Yeah. I own one foot by one foot patch of ground in uh, Scotland somewhere. Right, right, yes. Yeah. So. Yes, this is our on- ongoing story of lords that we are, <laughs> evidently. Uh, but <laughs> welcome to Digital Noise. Hell yeah, with the Digital Noise Boys. <laughs> it's the Digital Noise Boys. We're back again. We're going to talk about some movies that we don't like. And sometimes we do. Was I supposed to do harmony? No. Oh, okay. No, that was it. That I was the know if song. There was a Backstreet Boys thing going on here. It's Everybody. Like that was the <laughs> yeah. Have you? Okay. Everybody, on watch second. a Blu-ray tonight. <laughs> Everybody, why don't you listen to right? Everybody. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, I don't want to do that at all. Uh, Backstreet Boys. They okay. My sister listened to a lot of uh, of uh, uh, boy bands uh, yeah. back in the day, but she also listened like corn. And um, okay, her her she didn't she didn't have like a medium ground. Her she musical like, tastes were wide and varied as far as stuff that played on the radio. Right, and <laughs> uh, but I always believed that Backstreet Boys, and this might be a controversial thing, but also fuck you, audience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that Backstreet Boys were better than NSYNC. Even though I, I understand that t- Justin Timberlake came from NSYNC and I he's a great singer and performer. I don't really have a dog in this fight. Oh, man. Backstreet Boys, everybody, that song is such a fucking banger. My, the first time I ever heard it was This Is The End. Oh, right. and, yeah. and that's a great use of it, too. It's yeah. so fun. I mean, it's a funny scene. And then, like, I turned to everybody in the audience literally at the press screening stood up and was screaming and jumping oh, yeah. around. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even like Seth was like, no fucking way. And like, I, I would love to under like to do the dance. It's almost like thriller ish in yeah. a way. And like, oh, man, that looks like so much fun. I want to do that in karaoke soon. I'm, I'm actually kind of working on it right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I kind of want to be there to watch that, like, just burn a place down. Uh, Because it's so hot and on fire. I mean, maybe, or alternately, no. (laughs) Because it was like, we have to burn this place down. (laughs) We have to burn, salt the earth. Yeah, no one can know that Wright did this. This is such a travesty against humanity. Uh, (laughs) No, it'll be like, you know, the place will be like, for miles, just devastated. And like years later, a bunch of college students will go to the burnout cabin and they'll go in the basement and they'll find a tape recorder there and they'll play it. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be like, what is this? They'll they'll ask, like, well, who was affected? And it's like, 
Everybody. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Justin Timberlake's like, I'll show your soul. Look, he's not in Backstreet Boys. Oh, is he not? I no, don't he's that, in I don't know. It's the, the other guys. Who's the other? Is there someone who made it out of Backstreet, Backstreet Boys? To no, they're, they're still playing together. Like, no one really uh, was a, like a, a star from Backstreet Boys. Because oh, okay. they're also a little older. I don't know why we're talking about Wait, who's the What's the one that uh, uh, fucking uh, Mark Wahlberg's brother was in? That's Donnie, a that's fucking... Um, um, uh, oh, fuck. Menudo? Uh, what? No, not Menudo. I don't know. Uh, no, that's... Uh, uh, I'm kidding. Not, I know it's not Menudo. Not, not Boys to Men. Um... Uh, fuck! What are they called? I have uh, no idea. That's my point oh exactly. Oh my god! No, hold on one second. Hey Siri, <laughs> what bo- uh, boy band was Donnie Wahlberg in? Hold on one second, everybody. I can look it up on New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block, which always confused me because I would like people would say New Kids on the Block, and I thought they were talking about Kids on the Kids in the Hall. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'd be like, I love that comedy show. Like, fuck you. There's you should like them. I'm like, I do like them. It's funny as hell. They're like, it's not supposed to be funny. You're like, oh wait, you're talking about the boy band. Okay, never mind. Well, the, the other thing is too is like I never understood about uh, the song Everybody by Backstreet Boys. It's like Backstreets Back, all right. Like, where were they? Um, that, yeah, good point. That was like at their and, highlight. No, right? That was like their first album, I think. Yeah. So how like, are you back? Where I, I don't you know. Where did I, you go? I don't know. Where did you come from? Where did you go? I don't know. I'm very Cotton confused by boy bands. Always have been. I appreciate them for what they were. It's a really weird niche little thing. It's like that thing. Like I don't know. You you have a sister, right? Yeah. Okay. I had a sister, and I also had four stepsisters. So there's always like you know when TikTok came out, like people were always like doing the dances and shit like that. Yeah. That was a normal thing, like yes. in living rooms. I don't watch TikTok either. Oh, okay. I don't feel God, like giving the Chinese government. I forgot you're 163. Never mind. Um, Facebook all the way, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm secure in my data there, <laughs> dude. I'm like, I love how they're like, no, we swear that like in no way are we doing anything to track your data. And you, you ever tried like, well, having your Facebook up and then say, I really like, just name something obscure and then scroll and like within like three posts it'll be an ad for something. That's oh that. no, I know. And you're like going, oh no, you're not listening to me. Oh, it is listening. <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah. What are we doing? Uh, we're doing digital noise. <laughs> so on that note, let's get into some Blu-ray reviews. We got some really good stuff to talk about this week. We do. A wide variety. Yeah. It's it's very straight. There's there's some definitely some uh, uh, martial arts stuff. A, lot, a good jam-packed full of that. But and then some it, good stuff. Really good martial yeah, arts Yeah, no, stuff. totally. And then it goes like it's crazy. back and forth. It's all over the place. It is the Backstreet Boys to Corn episode of Digital Noise. Of Honestly, movies. this is one of our least horror episodes. There's not a single horror movie in our whole selection, which is weird for us. That's right, yeah. Yeah, the closest we have is the first one that we're going to talk about here, which is, okay, don't tune out here when I say Francois Truffaut, the French director, because I know that like he's not really known for genre type stuff. Wait, what'd you say? Bro. I tuned out. What'd you say? Yeah, he, like he's best known for stuff like The Four Hundred Blows in nineteen fifty nine, which was one of the defining movies of the French New Wave movement. Right, and then I still think it's boring as hell. Sorry, I have to I'm, admit this I, is the first one if I've seen of his. I, I, yeah, I know you said yeah. I, I haven't seen it since I was younger. Uh, same with Day for Night, nineteen seventy three. Everybody loved it. Like I thought it was boring, but um, he did a lot. 
lot of movies that are very well acknowledged as being great. Um, uh, I did not realize that he actually had a supporting role in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Anyway, but we're talking about his movie from 1968 that he didn't like. He came out saying, yeah, I don't care for this one called The Bride Wore Black. Yeah. Now, it was one of those things where apparently the French critics like shit all over it, and which kind of led him to go like, eh, okay, maybe it's not that good. But the American critics really liked it. I think I want to say it was Pauline Kael who defended it mm-hmm. amongst others. Um it it is more of a genre, almost Hitchcockian type film. Yeah, and I thought it was fucking great. It is really good. This is a great introduction. Then again, I guess most of his other <laughs> yeah. movies are nothing like this. Not really like this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a really interesting tale of like revenge. Yeah, and uh, I I thought it was going to be more of a. I didn't know who did it at first. I thought it was going to be like kind of a schlock, uh, like dumb movie uh and then i started watching like oh no this is fucking serious and um and it's about a a woman who at first you don't know why which i thought was a really great choice to like understand that this woman who is this femme fatale and then she is well basically slowly murdering people (laughs) and these and these specific men yeah and you come to realize why she's doing it and like oh she's not like completely out of line i mean i get i get where the why she's doing it sure yeah but like yeah of course you shouldn't you know you know kill people i guess uh but uh i mean you know it's it's contextual it's contextual decision (laughs) that's all i'm saying but man it is it's so well done and it and it keeps you really investing in her because she is like you under you want to know like why the fuck is she doing this and they kind of pepper in like the the situation when it finally is revealed you're like Oh shit! Yeah, uh, this is this is pretty gnarly. And uh, Jean Moreau plays the lead role there uh, of uh, um, Julie Kohler, uh, the bride in question, mm-hmm. uh, who Orson Welles called the greatest actress in the world. Uh, but this is a little bit later in her career; she's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Uh, even I would argue, maybe matronly to some degree. To some degree, but she's still a fox. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we see her like initially trying to kill herself and her mom stops her from doing it mm-hmm. and see like she's dressed in black and she's just you know she's fucked up but anyway we see her again she looks very different she's wearing white and she um shows up at basically a wedding <laughs> looking for the the um the groom and uh you know she meets him and then uh is like Cause like, hey, um, you know, I know you're getting married and all, but what do you think about like, you know, go on the balcony, maybe hook it up a little bit, and you know, the French, I guess they're <laughs> okay. Like, Why not? Uh, and it's like, okay, we go out there, and then she pushes him off the balcony, and he dies, and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? I I started thinking about, I was like, man, so many people were able to get away with stuff back in the day, and I guess in France it just doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, it's because of love. It's, it's because okay. of love. It's like, oh, no, she was ju- committing revenge. It's about, about her no love. jury would convict her. It's like nothing. It's about love. Uh, but you know, we see her like chasing a series of of people like like after that it's like oh it's a new guy she's stalking and like pretending to be someone else so she can get an opportunity to kill him yeah and it the really interesting part is that that grabbed you because she's so just like she feels like she's a victim the whole time she's kind of blank in a weird sort of way yeah she's never angry she's just sort of yeah 
dead, numb inside, you know? And for a good reason. Yeah. And the mystery of the film is really figuring out why is she doing this? What is the connection between all these things? And then in the third act, it kind of turns into a con film in a weird sort of way where she's like, oh, she is not just going randomly from person to person. She has this crazy, well thought out ahead of time master plan. Yeah. You know what? I can see parallels with Kill Bill. Oh, well, and Tarantino was accused of directly lifting from this. And he said, I'm embarrassed to admit I've never seen this movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because there there are definitely points I'm just like, well, that was fucking in Kill Bill. Yeah. Uh, like she has a little notebook of all the men's names yeah, and she's like scratching it out. I'm not really sure how much to believe Tarantino and literally anything that he says. But well, that know. and also is like, you mean to tell me you haven't seen a movie? It's like you've literally seen every fucking movie. Yeah. And like, come on now. Uh, will you hand me the, the box for that one? Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, there is a little bit extra audio commentary by film historians, three film historians on this, but that's about it. It's Kino Lorber. It's a nice transfer of it. It's a beautiful looking film. Oh, yeah. It's to say Titchcockian is not fair. That's a general statement. Sort of like. I think it's just because the the vibe of the story, you could say, because yeah. again, you, you would think. Um, like the anticipation of her killing people is really what's driving it, but it's really more the mystery of why she's doing it. I think yes. that is like the Hitchcockian esque reason, or like the, that's why he would uh, label it that way. And I thought it was a really strong way to move the story because it was, I was genuinely one like, why the fuck is she doing well, this? I mean, even Truffaut, and it's so effectively. Even Truffaut himself can like said that I was trying to make a Hitchcockian type film, mm-hmm. like he was making an effort for that. But he, it's ultimately not really. You would never mistake it for one. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, you can see the influences, but like it's its own thing, and it's a. I think one of the things that made this so interesting is that nothing else really feels like. it. It's got its own weird little vibe going on. And I was like, okay, this is really keeping me going. Yeah. Like because of that. And, you know? and it's one of those uh, stories where definitely it kind of nails or hits the nail in the coffin at the very end of it, where it's one of those stories where you're watching more or less a doomed character as you still slowly start to realize like, oh, there's no redemption mm-hmm. uh, for doing this because she's already more or less like destroyed. And a lot of the second act is like, her with one of these victims, the one of the future victims of somebody that you, it sets you up to go, is she actually going to do it with this one? Right. Because I think she kind of likes him. Um, right. And her sort of going through all that and like questioning her, your reasoning, but doing it in a way that is never overt. It's never put into words on screen. It's mm-hmm. all done by the way that, sh- that it's shot and her acting, you know? Right. It's, really fascinating little film yeah i i do highly recommend it and like i said if you're one of those people who always gone like yeah i've seen Dravot films they're not for me this might be the one that's for you yeah this is a good introduction and um probably bad introduction at the same time <laughs> you know, i mean a bad introduction to Dravot's right whole oeuvre perhaps <laughs> right uh, <laughs> so this will be like Wait a minute. Why is the the four hundred blows? I don't even know what four hundred blows is about. Uh, yeah, it's been so long. Since I, I didn't. I haven't seen it since film school and college. So, oh yeah. man, that's like nineteen twenties or something like that. Yeah, something like that. When film know. wasn't made yet. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think there was film in the nineteen twenties? Um, tell that to Charlie Chaplin. The uh, films were. I don't know where this bit's going. Yet, I'm just but saying, I'm like, just trying to. You know, film like predates the 20th century right? look look <laughs> i don't know things 
very well. <laughs> I know. And I'm really glad it's fun. that you asked me to come on to it's, host it's, this show it's with fun you. To, to like poke holes in your lack of knowledge. <laughs> it's it's fun. Actually, my one of my favorite things about recording with Wright is when I give him stuff that he should have seen by now and Look, watch how he reacts. Uh, sure. <laughs> There's a lot of things where I get to watch these things and it's like, oh, okay. But, you know, it's it, it's one of those opportunities where you, you've, you know, people always say, like, oh, you have to watch this. And I finally get to watch it and like, okay. Well, on our last show, I we, I reviewed with John Golson, um, uh, Tai Chi Master, which is being set, put out in a set, the Jet Li 2 movie collection here from Ronin Flix, a relatively new company that's been doing what I've been praying for somebody to do for a while, which is release the golden age of Hong Kong films, late eighties to mid nineties stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and finally someone's doing this again, praying for you guys put out the Mr. Vampire collection, put out encounter to spooky kind collection, please want to do what Chris says. Uh, anyway. Uh, so we reviewed that. We both really, really liked it. Uh, John, not all like you, not like a giant Hong Kong guy, but was like, yeah, that was fun as hell. Yeah. But the gem of the set was the one that we're reviewing here, which is Fist of Legend, uh, which was it is widely regarded as Jet Li's best film. 1994, directed by the legendary Gordon Chan filmmaker and action choreography by the probably best action choreographer who's ever lived, Yuan Wu Ping, uh, who mm. I want to say did the uh, well, he did the Drunken Master films. Oh, shit. Yeah, and he was also an actor himself, um, oh. but he worked with pretty much every big-name person. Like, uh, he also did Tai Chi Master. He did Donnie Yen and Iron Monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ton- yes, he did. In fact, he was the martial arts choreographer on The Matrix, and we all know how that went. And oh, wow, he, really? And he did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay, so this is, yeah. The, yeah. I, I could definitely see why, like, the watching this, and I've, I've always heard about this film, yeah. and, uh, and I just, you know, all I knew was, like, well, it's a martial arts movie with Jet Li is like, okay, there's like, I'm assuming a bounty of them, which we'll get into. But um, man, I, I really, I think more than anything else, granted, yeah, the martial arts is incredible in this, but the, the story I thought was really cool. It's a good story that yeah. grabs you. And it is a remake of the 1972 what? Bruce Lee film, Fist of Fury, which oh. there's a whole big story about the titling of that. Because when it was released in America, it was released as The Chinese Connection, which there's another Bruce Lee film called Chinese, Chinese Connection. Yeah. Uh, that's not this. Uh, that's not that. Uh, but the, But that was apparently supposed to be the title it was a mistake because they were supposed to be titling the american version of the big brawl as the chinese as uh yeah it gets very confusing okay anyway upshot is the original hong kong film was called fists of fury there are so many basically remakes of the same film in hong kong that, that predate even this but you know it's the it's a very familiar tale which is uh a guy uh, who's investigating the death of his old master because there's Japanese uh, Imperial Japanese occupation forms in Hong Kong, but he's this ultimate badass coming back to town. And everyone's like, Oh God, thank God you're here. Right. Everything's right. out of control. And so then he has to go through the series of, of minor bosses till he gets to the big boss. This, this uh, is also the one where he visits his old, um, school, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and it's the guy that who was next in line and everyone's like, yeah, but Jet Li, that was really cool. Yeah, but he's so much better. Yeah, he's him. really, he's really better. I was like, but what about me? I'm the next in line. Like, yeah, but yeah, yeah but come on, Jet Li is pretty cool. Come on, Jet Li. Did you know Jet Li's in this movie? 
Um, so like, I, I, I like that dynamic. There's a lot of things that surprised me about this. And, yeah. um, and even like his, uh, love interest, um, that is, uh, is like, you know, don't, don't do these things. Uh, or like, or just mainly just like, just run away with me instead because like, you're going to get killed. Yeah. Um, and man, there, there was that, um, incredible scene where it was like his old teacher or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's asked by, the Japanese imperialists to like, cause he's like a spy. I forget what it was. Um, and he's asked to go basically kill Jet Li and that whole scene. And it's like the most respectful, like fight of to the death scene. Yeah. It's like, this is so fucking cool. Well, it's one of the films in the, the golden age where he, uh, first off, it was one of the films that first started to do the things uh, that, you know, I mean, had happened before, but that, sort of set it as a precedent in the second age where yes, people die kind of brutally in these films. Like, yeah, like, cause you know, I mean like initially that was not, if they did, it was not very brutal. It was like, whatever. There's a period of Shaw brothers films in the eighties where that was starting to happen for sure. But like for this next wave, a lot of them were played for goofiness more than they were played for like serious. And this is one of the more serious ones. Totally. And, it's not wire foo. There's no. not like, it's not a lot of, I mean, they, there are wires used, but not in the way of like, everyone can fly type of thing that you do. Right. It's like, it's more like wires are used the way they were used in the exorcist where it was like, grab somebody hard. So they go flying back from a kick. Right. You know? Exactly. It's like, you get to really feel the punch and the kick yeah. uh, that they, uh, they do. And, and the fights are incredible. Yeah. It is it, such a good time. And, and again, I think, a much more interesting story than even the i mean yes the martial arts is great mm-hmm. but like it the story is what really kept it going for me and i was like because i've seen a lot of these now yeah, and uh I know. sorry no it's okay it's okay but this is one of the better ones this is seen, definitely right? one of the better ones and yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad because i i didn't you know when jet Li finally came to america doing American films, I was always kind of like, oh, wow, that the guy that's basically, you know, more or less the new Jackie Chan, because that's how stupid I am. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, I really wish I've seen some of his older stuff. And I've known about this one for a while. And I'm glad I finally see a lot of the stuff we're about to talk about and see what he's coming from. I was like, oh, no, he was really good. And also really a kind of a good actor too, like very charismatic yeah. and really fun. definitely in this, not, not, uh, some of this other Again, stuff like about to watch. so much of the stuff around here, he was playing it more for sort of like goofy lighthearted. And this yeah. is kind of a weird exception at this period for Jet Li of playing it. Like this is all played pretty straight. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It's so much better than the Bruce Lee film. Yes. I said it. It's a lot better than the Bruce Lee film. I, you know what? I won't stop you. Cause I don't even know who Bruce Lee is. Uh, yes, you do. Shut up. Bruce that, Lee. Is yeah, he Bruce Lai? Bruce. Uh, <laughs> Bruce uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, all right. So after Bruce Lee died, there was like Bruce Lee had made so much money because of the crossover to America. Yeah. Uh, you know, enter the dragon was right. Astonishingly huge. And right. changed everything like black exploitation largely exists because of enter the dragon right 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 <laughs> you know yeah like it was all a response to holy shit people will come out and see this stuff and, yeah and it was initially playing in smaller theaters in like big cities and you know playing to big black crowds and right. latino crowds and what have you and so those are the people who really embraced it and created their own film cultures out of this right um hong kong was like fuck we need another bruce lee so 
there's like so many films where people and now you know years later they've recredited these people with their their actual names but they were like every variation on bruce lee you can imagine to kind of fool people oh really it's a bruce lee film no way yeah even They're, jackie chan got yeah even even jackie chan i forget i forget what his was but there was one they initially credited him as like another like bruce lee type name thing really and obviously chan is not even faintly the same type of action star as bruce lee so, no 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 yeah that's interesting i didn't know that I, I, it's like they were doing the asylum pictures before but for a, uh, an actor uh kind of i yeah. mean it was just like you know, we've got this is where the money is and like hopefully yeah. audiences will see the poster and go oh bruce lee and not pay too hopefully much hopefully they're attention. fucking dumb uh you know audiences are fucking dumb sometimes they are but this is a good smart one uh there this is ronan's uh film here uh unfortunately cut out the excellent bay logan commentary that was on the dragon dynasty dvd release but mm. otherwise it's got all the previous supplements to the get disc which are five minutes of deleted scenes the man behind the legend which is an interview with the director uh which is in english uh brother in arms the interview with uh kung fu uh master chin si su ho Way of the Warrior interview with Japanese action star Karata Yasuaki, who's in here. Uh, the School of Hard Knocks, the screen fighting seminar that's held at a school. Uh, look at Fist of Legend with weirdly, this is the weird part because they have another one of these on the Tai Chi Master with Brett Ratner and Elvis Mitchell. Elvis Mitchell, famous black film critic. Oh, yeah. And Brett Ratner, really uh, famous, awful, terrible person. Director. No clue how this happened or why Rush these are the two people. Because yeah. he directed Rush Hour. Jackie Chan's not in this. No, I know, but like, because th- th- I'm assuming. You, you, you've you made a movie with an Asian guy, so no, you totally. get to be on the commentary. It's a, it's a martial for, artist I mean, uh, movie with Rush Hour, sort of. It's kind of and embarrassing. That no, it's em- well, he's embarrassing because he's yeah. a terrible person. Um, I don't, and so that's I, the, I don't like, even know the degree to which he's a terrible person. He's just not a very Oh, he's director. a sexual assaulter. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wow, is it embarrassing that we lose track of which ones are? <laughs> well he was like one of the first ones that came like that was uh outed okay uh, and also everyone's like yeah he's a fucking toad of a person anyway fuck him also he's directed mi- one and a half good movies that's called rush hour <laughs> no no i i'll give him red dragon red I'll dragon give him a, is actually a red dragon i sup- like red dragon I mean, the only problem with the red dragon is it's not silence of the lambs which is so incredibly oh, right, the superior right. film but right. red dragon's not a half bad movie honestly it's better than hannibal yeah. Oh, yeah. It's way better than Hannibal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hannibal's awful. Yeah, yeah. I remember going, sneaking into Hannibal, and I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Well, so we're going to do another Jet Li here, uh, which is a two-movie set, The Legend of Feng Se-yuk, which originally was just called Feng Se-yuk. Apparently, it's a thing with, a, like, oh, Americans are, like, into it if you put The Legend, like, Drunken Master 2 retitled The Fist it. of Legend. Uh, well, no, that was the, actually the original title, but I mean, like, when they retitled them, like, Drunken Master 2 was retitled The Legend of Drunken Master when it came out. Oh, really? Like, okay. Because they actually did a big theater release of that one. No, I remember when, yeah, that yeah. has happening, yeah. The, yeah, The Legend of Feng Se-yuk. Uh, Terrible, weird title for Americans to grab onto because they're like, who the fuck is Feng Se-yuk? Another folk hero uh, that's based on a real person, but oh, really? not, not one of the not one of the main ones. <laughs> <laughs> Wong Fei-hung is pretty much the big, big one that people are like, who is Drunken Master? And also the guy from Once Upon a Time in China. Uh, oh. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he holds the record for the n- most amount of movies ever made about the same character. It's like hundreds 
really uh, films about him wow yeah fuck you jesus (laughs) seriously (laughs) i've been wanting to say that this entire time and that's only related to the context of no (laughs) but jet lee stars as feng se yuck uh this won the hong kong film award and the first one the hong kong film award and golden horse award for best action choreography and boy did it fucking deserve it um yes this first film is you know, earlier we were like, oh, Fist of Legend, he's playing this totally straight. He is not playing it straight no, at all here. I, so is, I watched Fist of Legend first, and then I watched this. I was like, what the fuck? Totally uh, different. It's very different. He is playing very, like, goofy and charismatic. He's And it, I'm assuming this was made a lot, like, this was, like, made in the 80s, right? Not, uh, no, it's like a year before. It, yeah, it was 1993. Uh, Corey Yuen, another so major film director. Uh, but... Yeah, he, this um, this is a weird wire foo com action comedy film. Yeah, um, and he's like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, everyone loves him. Yeah. and I, like I, I got a sense of what this movie was going to be from the opening sequence. I talked about this with you uh, last week, and it's this it's this nightmare sequence where this um uh. Of uh, Lord uh, is like, oh fuck! Uh, like he's, he's he's afraid that he's going to get assassinated, and then all, he's on this boat, and then all these people start raiding the boat, and then there's one guy who's on a horse <laughs> racing off of the like the canal, trying to jump onto the boat, and it's just this goofy ass like wire like paper mache horse, yeah. and the guy on it's it is like horrible, looking. and I'm like, what? the fuck you is were like this didn't he tell me this was a good movie <laughs> but you know after you get past that very brief early, and then all they had to say is like it was a dream it was a dream all right so okay, fine where where it gets really good is like uh so he meets this woman lou ting ting boy they have weird names um <laughs> And uh, it's a track and field competition type thing. Wait, isn't that like, just, oh, there's yeah, like a yeah, bunch yeah. of bullies that are starting shit. And then like, they get invited. it's very, it doesn't matter. The point yeah. is, is that. Like, and also his mom's a badass too, right? Yeah. We'll get into that. Okay. But uh, like, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to do this. And then he gets her involved in it. And it's like a lot of like silly sort of like uh, using martial arts skills to like help out to win this competition against the bullies. But um, then there's, it moves quickly into a thing where this guy who's sort of the, I guess the mayor or something of the town, uh-huh. rich guy in the town's like, Hey, my daughter is super hot. Uh, who is this girl in question? I'm going to stage a martial arts competition for people to participate. And whoever wins will win my daughter's hand in marriage. He's very right, rich. Right. So all these people want to win this. But the thing is, is that they have to defeat the rich guy's older wife, who is the martial arts champion of the town. who's like a right. mega badass. And the idea is, you don't have it's not to kill it's just whoever touches the ground first if you right. touch the ground you lose right so the fight is all jumping across the townspeople's like heads and shoulders and stuff yeah that was a really fun sequence it's insane it's like one of those all-time legendary martial arts sequences you're like this was so such a goofy idea and yet you really pulled it off and yeah. made it so much fun to watch and it's a long sequence no i remember i fell asleep twice oh uh, my god shut up no you did <laughs> I look. I watched some of these movies kind of late at night, and then I was like, "Oh, well. yeah, but like 
it gets weird like like he so he sort of loses but out of honor but then his mom shows up but like pretending to be a man yeah and his mom's a more badass than he is and then yeah. she wins the contest and the girl in question falls in love with the mom yeah and like it, oh my god it gets really fucking like weirdly complicated with all that stuff but it's like i said this is a comedy of errors type thing is right, what they're right. playing with but with tons and tons and tons of really fun, super inventive martial arts throughout it. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. Yeah, I highly recommend this one. Now, I wish I could recommend more the sequel. Uh, it has one or two good scenes. It's more like, okay, now afterwards, we've all decided now we're fighting against evil, right? We're like all teamed up with the rebels to go. And right, fight. right. And it just doesn't have the same level of like, the fun to it going on no no because at least with uh the first one it's all like character driven like they they're all like trying to prove something for themselves Mm -hmm. and then the second one is just like i i honestly i don't remember the second one very well (laughs) no i mean it is more forgettable it does have some solid fight scenes but the story is not as engaging it's not as funny it's still well worth watching if you like these jetly wire foo films and they do a lot of like flashbacks of the first film too it's just like let me just get you up I'm like, okay, thanks, movie. And okay. it was released in the same year. Like, they were, like, made back-to-back yeah, or something? Yeah, that's the way those things happened. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I do, in fact, recommend picking these up. It's uh, They look great. It's you know it, They really do. It's another Ronin Flicks uh, thing. They're just put on uh, one disc. There are uh, a few extra supplements, but not a lot here. No. Um, but I do recommend it. Um, it is, uh, yeah, if you like Jet Li, these two things we've talked about here, both from Ronin Flicks, are excellent ways to get started into learning why everybody likes jelly yeah definitely fist does. of legend in the first uh feng, Yuk, feng sai yuk uh movie is like oh this is why he's that great so somehow i don't even know who how i got sent this but radiance films which i i guess somebody who distributes uh like aggregates of stuff is now uh, picked up radiant sent us this film called big time gambling boss and <laughs> i was a little i was like what <laughs> that's you, a terrible when title you gave me this was like oh come on man what is this and then you told me what i was like oh okay okay all right let's do it let's let's fucking do it I, you know weirdly and the I, disc itself like i know it's like a a, a, pro, a promo copy yeah yeah and it's like this what is this bootleg crap <laughs> Like, this is weird. You no, know, it's looking. just when they send you the white discs. Is what no, I know, I know. Arrow does. They send Va- us the white discs. But yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't know either. Uh, but um, this is less going for like. I mean, it's a Japanese film. It's less going for action than it's going for something like The Godfather. It's definitely aiming more towards the. We want to tell the story of a, you know, a crime family and the way that the drama plays out when yeah. when shit goes down it's not it doesn't have a lot of action but i did think as a fan of the yakuza films i did think this is well worth watching it's weird how minorly mentioned this is listed in most listings about yakuza films because i thought this was actually one of the more entertaining ones i watched in some ways it was interesting i i i I i didn't know what to expect really and um yeah to your point it was a lot more low key then yeah. it was i thought it was gonna be more like martial arts based uh but like i, mean, I remember the the one scene that i really because i i don't remember this film very well so i know we do a show about watching these movies and talking about them in detail but i'm like sorry um but that one scene where the one guy like they're all the like the board 
uh, all the head honchos are there, yeah. and the one guy who comes gets out of prison. Yeah, the main character. The main character. Yeah. Uh, and he's just like, "What the fuck? Like, I'm supposed to be the next boss." Every, every, well, he's not even like that. Everybody else is like that because he gets out of prison. And he's oh, just that's like, right. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. like, I just want to go back to work and like you know whatever. And I know I did what I was supposed to do. Like I fell on the sword, metaphorically speaking. Right. Went to prison to protect the family and everyone before even gets out of jail, but knowing he's about to, is like, yeah, he should be the next head of the family. And then this one guy is like, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I'm going to support my candidate here. Yeah. uh, Who's like the son of somebody, you know, it's like a nepotism type thing. And everybody's like, um, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but dude, this, that guy's a badass, and he fucking like did all this. Right. So he gets out and he's obviously like, okay, what the fuck ever. But everybody is kind of like, dude, you shouldn't be putting up with this shit. And he's like, no, no, I just support the family, whatever. But as it becomes clear, there's real corruption and some back backdoor shenanigans Dealings. going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He starts more and more going, fuck, I'm going to have to fucking take a side. In this fucking thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the rest of this movie. It's been <laughs> at least like three weeks. And uh, <laughs> I, all I remember is like, I liked it okay. I think the music was good. Yeah. That's all I it had was, to say about big time gambling <laughs> You don't have a lot to say. Come on. I thought this would be your favorite of the day. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, I don't know. I do like Yakuza films, but for me, they kind of all melt into each other to some degree. There's a lot of them that are very, very similar. It's like, you know, I always say people go, so is there a Yakuza film I should definitely watch? I'm like, yeah, Battles Without Honor or Humanity. Uh, That's the classic. That's the one everybody talks about. What about that? And they're all kind of like shadows of that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's it's the same thing. I was like talking about with the Shaw Brothers stuff. And it's like, it always starts with like an assassination of some huge lord. And then the two factions are fighting each other. And then there's these two or four guys that are ultimate badasses. And then like... They, one of them gets killed. Like we have to fight for our, you know, the, our brother. Uh, and like every one of them was the exact same thing. I was like, I could not tell you what it was the difference you between know, most of them. My favorite moment of every Yakuza film is that moment after they like kill someone with a sword. They always do that thing where they like sort of wipe their sword on their fucking kimono or whatever yeah. before they put it back in. And I'm like, your cleaning bills have to be insane. Well, it's all <laughs> like dry you try to get blood out of a fucking well, kimono. See, they own the dry cleaner. Oh, okay? I see. That's this how they sense. do it. Yeah. But the um, uh, I don't know what's gonna say. But I remember the one Yakuza movie that we watched that I thought was like, this is fucking awesome. Remember this, the little girl that uh, like oh, inherits yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I forget what it was called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it was Arrow like, put it out. Yeah, I'm like on the name of it right uh, now, uh, like. Little girl sailor big. suit and something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. It was really good. Yeah, it was really good, and I remember that because that's kind of a meta take on yeah. all of this. And uh, and this is just like I don't know what the fuck. No, this is like you know. I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's I fine. really genuinely liked it. It's 1968, but at the same time, I'm like, is it essential? Like a lot of these other like is it the one i'd pick for people to say like this is the yakuza one if you're already a fan of the yakuza films then yes you should absolutely watch this it's it's a pretty solid one and but and with this dvd copy you get uh aol for free for six months (laughs) shut up (laughs) uh there's a 14 and a half minute video essay by mark Schilling, the author of yakuza movie book which gets into the history of yakuza movies which honestly is one of the things (laughs) i kind of wish that 
this was just a feature on like an extra feature because I'm like we there I I don't think I've seen a really great feature length documentary about yakuza films and I think there's a lot to be said about it especially if you're getting into the actual history of yakuza and the culture yeah. like you could really do something interesting but you're getting you know 14 and a half minutes so yeah as well uh serial gambling was the video essay uh who discuss discusses the toy series uh, uh T O E I uh, Japanese films that this farm film was a part of. There were a whole series of these that came out. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of which were actually made a lot more impact than this did, but I am as not, no, I'm not as familiar with Yakuza uh, history as I probably should be and would want, like to be. Well, that's um, why I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> uh, actually, um, uh, Sion Sono, uh, a Japanese director has made a whole, almost a minor career out of having fun with the Yakuza films and just making crazy fucked up shit as, as, as Takashi Miike. Right. You know, right. As well. But Sion Sono, especially just like check those guys out. Some of their takes on the Yakuza idea of films are just so wonderful and delightful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're very more modern day. These are, these are the classics that we're talking about here, like big time gambling boss and, uh, and battles without honor or humanity. I mean, actually, um, Mike did a remake of battles. So, Oh yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, which one what was it called? I think it was called battles without honor. Or humanity. Oh really? Oh, okay. Oh, uh, anyway, but, uh, more martial arts. Cause I know Wright just loves this stuff. I can't, I can't stop. Great. <laughs> we did one that I've been meaning to watch for, Ever, which is a double set of Lady Whirlwind and a film called Hapkido through Arrow, 1972. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what surprised me is the film that's considered the bigger film, 1972's Lady Whirlwind, was nowhere near as good as Hapkido. I thought Hapkido was a billion times better than this was. Hapkido considered the more mo- like minor film, but I was, and the main reason was like I thought Lady Whirlwind was shot like shit. I was like, these action scenes are terrible. Everything looks fake as hell. You can see every pulled punch. I'm just like, this is not. If yeah. I see an action film, I want to actually feel like people's punches are connecting, and it just looked fakey and terrible. Yeah, I um have to admit, I don't remember these very well. Oh, uh, definitely the second you should one. Stop admitting these things. Well, I mean, this is our safe space, so no, it's not. <laughs> We're recording this. It's going out into the world. It's the opposite of a safe so, space. Oh, do you want me to lie to you? These were great. Uh, no, so I remember the first one fairly well because I thought it was interesting. At least like the the story itself, where Lady Whirlwind was this woman who wanted to get revenge on a guy for some reason. I forget why. And um and. <laughs> <laughs> but he is also being hunted down by like another person too, right? Or something like well, that. So the guy is beaten by Japanese mobsters. He's yes. left for dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This yeah. Pretty young girl nurses him back to hell. Right. He vows to get revenge. Meanwhile, yeah. this other girl, Angela Mao, who's the main oh, star because he... she's the big star who went on to a huge career. After yeah. This. She, she's great. And she, uh, but like, um, uh, she he comes kills to town to uh, s- one of her friends or something like well, that. Her brother he comes to town because uh, she has a score to settle with him because apparently his sister was jilted by her by him. That's oh. why to get rev- like bloody revenge. I'm like that feels a little extreme. I'm Wait, that was saying. it? Yeah, that was it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, well, her sister killed herself because of it, which is like, yeah, that's on your sister. I don't know. T- I mean, like, yeah, he's a dick, but that's kind of on your sister. I need to like, stop watching these movies I mean, at 1 a.m. But, but, you know, cultural differences, whatever. You know, okay. Uh, so she's got Avengers and killed the guy, but he says, please, please, please <laughs> save my life. Don't kill me. 
uh, let me heal and let me get my revenge and then yeah. I'll let you kill me or whatever you oh, want. We can do. fight. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever you want to do. I, I and, thought that was kind of cool and, and interesting because she's basically, she ends up, um, it's kind of like John Wick 4 where uh, yeah. Donnie Yen is just like letting uh, um, John Wick like, you know, get ahead so he can like, well, I'm just waiting for you so I can kill you. And uh, because I have to, but I'll let you like fight all these badasses and I'll kind of help you out in here and there. So because I need to kill you, not them. And so she's kind of doing the same thing every now and then. Like, oh, that's kind of fun. And like from seeing John Wick four and then seeing this like, okay, that's I I can I can get along with this. I mean, I just had a problem with the way it was shot. I was just like, I like the story better. I admit I admit the the Apkito has more of a we've seen this many times before type story. Mm -hmm. But the action was just a billion times better shot. Um, and this one, I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed watching this and I'm like really trying to figure out why you guys love Angela Mao as much as you do. And when I saw Keto, which she's also in, I was like, okay, now I get a little bit more of the, sure. uh, why she was considered to be as great. In fact, Lady Whirlwind was a big hit in America and the United Kingdom. That was one of the, this is one of the films that got spread out. Would you say it was a big hit in America in, in the United Kingdom and the United Kingdom. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It did pretty damn well here. Huh. Um, uh, so like this was for the, for this particular industry this chinese film was a rarity in the early 70s this is 1972 when mm -hmm. this came out of a female action star being the headliner where people oh, were like we're selling okay. these on the strength of a female action right, star right 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 which arguably maybe the first was it really? Maybe. Interesting. Like the first female action star headliner? Maybe. I'm not entirely sure, but possibly. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, I I liked them enough. I don't remember them because they kind of bled in together. Uh, the yeah, second one. both also came out in the same year. So. Yeah. I mean, I, again, be honest with you, I have no idea what happened in the second movie. I just, I have. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, Hapkido, <laughs> it's 1934, Japanese op occupied Korea. Sure. Uh, it's a group of people sitting there when a bunch of Japanese bullies show up, go like start hitting on the girl, Angela Mao. Uh, she tries to be cool, but then a fight started. They've just learned the uh, Hapkido, oh, yeah. having just graduated, which is a hybrid Korean martial art. Uh, they return to China to set up their own school, which they do. But the Japanese who are currently there, Imperial uh, Japan, try to run them out of town I, alongside of some china traders that are there yeah uh it's a it's a lot of the schools versus schools based on cultural stuff i mean it fits the legend, fist the legend. Thing. Saying, yeah, yeah yeah this is in a lot of these you know I, that that's why like maybe i shouldn't have watched a lot of these in the in, like the same session because yeah. it's like wait oh, what this is like the same movie <laughs> like i don't know what's what <laughs> uh i did think this is the, like i said the second one at the very least i thought was pretty solid um yeah um I, not, have I don't think nothing these are... to say about these because I don't remember them very well. Did I like the actress? I don't think they're essential. No, yeah, but th I guess they're important because of the nature of like a sure. female action, yeah. early female action star coming up to the front. Yeah, like I... and and not too long after this, female action stars became a much bigger thing. Even though still, and I always think of the story of like Supercop, Police Story Three, right? Where Michelle Yao, who is definitely one of the best actors ever to come out of China, right? Like, like incredible martial artist as well. Like she went and did a scene, the famous in that film, where yeah. she drives a motorcycle onto a moving train and it's 
stupid that anybody even tried to do it. Yeah. It's so incredibly dangerous and stupid of a stunt. And she said as much. And the director was like, I don't know, but this will be the highlight of the film. Nobody's ever done anything like this. It's so fucking dangerous. And she missed the first one, like literally flew off the train and they, the stunt guys caught her. And then she's like, let's do it again. And she got it on the second take. Right. It's crazy. And Chan was so pissed off that he invented a whole scene at the end of the film for him to do another stunt. So he wouldn't look as bad. Right. Right. Like, cause he had said, no, absolutely. She cannot do this. And the director's like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? And she's like, (laughs) fuck yeah, let's do this. (laughs) But that, what my point is, is that that sexism was still going on. I'm like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but there were still big, bigger stars there's a whole slew of bigger like big name stars that came out like a little bit later right right and that's probably due to this later one yeah i feel a little weird that one of my favorite movies of the set and partially because i had never seen it before or Uh even heard of it before was a weird attempt at universal pictures to cross over black exploitation with james bond and in a very like more James Bond way than a black exploitation way. De- definitely more. Yeah. When you told me about this one saying it's a, a mix between those two, I'm like, I see the black exploitation yeah. a little bit. It was more that it was trying to mix James Bond and Bruce Lee films like Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But with a major black exploitation star, Fred Williamson, who was a pretty big deal. Uh, he was American football player. Actually had multiple black belts in yep. martial arts himself, yep. like an accomplished fighter in his own way. Um, and he is like this badass super courier. Right. <laughs> right. You're like, okay, that's a thing. Uh, he plays <laughs> in, in the movie That Man Bolt. Great title, first off. It's pretty good. Uh, his name's Jefferson Bolt. He's asked to take a briefcase from Hong Kong to Mexico City, but not told what's in it or basically anything. But he's like, hey, what the hell? It's like, I get to make a nice little trip. I get to go to Hong Kong. It's all going to be cool. But he's clearly a guy that does this kind of stuff, right? He's like a jet setter. He's not like some poor guy. He's like, right. he's a very respected, rich, very, you know, one of the best guys there is the, in the a business. Courier that can, um, a courier that can handle himself kind of thing. And so he takes it. And of course, there's just backstab stabbing and nobody's being honest and constant backstabbing yeah like the guy who's telling him to do it is like why are you doing anything he does because he is basically trying to fuck you over the entire time he's like it's one of those things where like i'm going to test you like why (laughs) and the thing about this movie is it's really well shot yeah the action's really good yeah the women are beautiful yeah the soundtrack is really good yep um it's a cool fucking movie it's not too <laughs> it's, shabby I, I liked it i'll say i genuinely like this better than some of the bond films that it was you know like, right uh, and uh, kind of copying i i have not seen every bond movie because i'm not a fucking nerd i've seen it and uh ugh, multiple and, times okay yeah i mean i've got that that great blu-ray set they put out with like every single one oh of them really in the box. Yeah. See, I've seen Goldeneye, and uh, and so that's it. <laughs> no, I saw, oh, okay. I saw No Time to Die with you. Yeah, have you ever seen Goldfinger? There's a Goldfinger. Goldfinger. I thought they were saying Goldeneye. No, no, Goldeneye. Like, I mean, the title was obviously. You have to know I'm fucking with you, right? Uh, I, I don't. I never know what you've seen. You just, I'm. You haven't that, even seen the Rocky films, look, so I'm that good of an actor. Okay. Or a liar, I forget. What, I can't, but no. Williamson is—he is—he's slick, he's badass, he's cool. All the ladies—he's like James Bond Shaft, and I right. fucking dig the shit out of it. Yeah, man. and like there's a like everyone in it is like 
putting forth a ton of efforts. Like everyone's acting the shit out of this. And even he is doing that very well. Like, cause I only remember seeing him in like from dust till dawn. And, uh, and so I was like, Oh him. Okay. <laughs> and then seeing this like, Oh, I didn't know he was like a martial artist too. Mm-hmm. And he's, he carries this very well. Like there's a great scene um, where he um, meets up with an old friend of his or like an ex lover or something like that at a, in a casino or I don't know whatever. Yeah. 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 And, um, and she is singing, I forget what song she's singing yeah, but to. She's doing it. Chanteuse. She's just singing the shit out of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like, it's, she just sings the whole song and I forget like what the song is too. And I really like the, the song, but anyway, they go back upstairs, they're making love. And, um, and like this horrible scene where like an assassin comes in there and like, she, accidentally kills her and i was kind of like oh Oh, no no. yeah you're like what (laughs) yeah i was like well honestly uh, you forget there's like oh that's kind of a james bond uh uh uh, trope where the first bond girl in the movie is like like, oh terry hatcher you're about to fucking die yes yes (laughs) yes very true um wow this was super fun and i did not i expected it to be like this will be like okay and i was like uh this is definitely going in my library and in my recommended list of stuff like i bet you you've never heard of this mm-hmm. and it's a shame because universal initially was like really confident about this and wanted to oh, turn wow. it into a whole series of films in fact williamson was paid for three films really yeah that never got him. made the next two but apparently there was some sort of big fuck up uh in distribution and all sorts of stuff it just did not it got released as in promotion as a straight up just black exploitation film. Oh, and so it they didn't, marketed it wrong. They marketed it totally wrong and it didn't get the audience. It really deserved. And mm. it really did because I could have totally, I would have loved to have seen more of these. Totally. Cause it, um, it's a uh, it's a lot it's a lot more grounded than you th- again think of uh, more exploitative movies yeah and um and even the end it kind of reminds me of Casablanca or like uh-huh. where the guy who's fucking him over the entire time yeah. they kind of sort of become friends yeah uh, they have this like respect because the guy who's fucking him over who is his like handler basically is just like wow you really are like that man Bolt and yeah. uh, like you are like capable of handling yourself and like all right I shouldn't fuck with you it's and- like he really pulls off the action. I mean, full yeah. credit as well to uh, the director. And I have no idea who the action choreographer would be here, but mm. like uh, uh, directors, I'm sorry, David Lowell Rich and Henry Levin, two directors on this. Uh, it works. The action scenes are cool and, yeah. and neat. And uh, like it's martial arts mixed with like various different other st- more American styles. But it, you always get the sense it never feels like a martial arts film no no it doesn't you know? it just it feels like a, he's a character that happens to know martial arts yeah, and there's a lot of slick badass sort of like oh well that was a coolly planned out little sequence i, I actually i liked more of the stuff where he's trying to get ahead uh like preparing for certain situations when actually uh before the uh his lady gets killed um where he's hiding the money and like where specifically he's trying to hide it. Yeah. Uh, and no one knows where it is. Cause he knows like, I'm pretty sure someone's going to try to fuck me over. Like he's always one step ahead. Cause he just knows that he is in a bad situation and he's going to be double crossed at any given moment. And this is way fun. You should check out this film. Uh, 
there is a one extra here, new a brand new program, That Man Hammer, where Fred Williamson talks about being involved with this. It's only 16 minutes long, but it's got a lot of observations from him talking about old school action films. Yeah. Uh, and also about uh, his idols in action, Charles Bronson and Clint Eastwood, which, you know. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's a fun little flick. Um, it's it's definitely something you should watch, but also this is one of those movies where, you know, in Austin, Texas, you'd see it like a Casino Camino or Jackalope. You're like, what the fuck is this? Uh, it's like, well, this is kind of like, interesting. What the fuck is this? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's more of like, not of like, oh God, what the fuck is this? It's more of like, oh, curiosity of like, oh, I want to check this out. So our next one's another one that uh, John Golson essentially said... I love this movie, but if Wright hasn't seen it, then you should give it to Wright because I want him to watch it. Yeah. That is the 1994 comedy drama Nobody's Fool based on a novel of the same name from 1993. It's based on a novel? Russo. Yes. Oh, no shit. Uh, written directed by Robert Benton, Paul Newman being the major star of this film. And one of the... How did I not know this was a Bruce Willis film as well? Like I was always a big Man. Bruce Willis fan and like, especially in the early part of his career. And I'm like, how did I miss the Bruce Willis? Is in so this film? I've always known about this movie. I always thought it was like this. Maybe you can relate. Then again, you are ancient, but uh, it always felt like one of the, like an adult movie, like yeah. meaning it, it's is. Like, it, it totally is. Yeah. But like, it felt like a movie that your parents would watch. Like, well, it's, you know, Thursday night, let's watch nobody's fool. Yeah. And, um, and so I've never had the inclination to watch this. It's and one of those always been on my list of, I'll get to it eventually. Exactly. Yeah. But then I started to read like all the pedigree behind all this, like yeah. Robert Bitten and um, who did, uh, uh, what did he do? He did some like big stuff. He did like a, what the fuck uh, Kramer is versus Kramer. Right. And which he won best director. Academy right. Award. And didn't he do um, the Tom Cruise and uh, uh, Rain Man or something like that? Uh, no. Oh, oh okay. Never mind. And, um, so <laughs> you did I, do a movie called Twilight, but not that Twilight that also had Paul Newman in it. Oh, good. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like there and a it, Phil Roth, no Roth novel called The Human Stain. The original book is really, oh really, yeah, The really Human good. Stain. That's right. The book is fantastic. I've never seen the movie. But um, you know, Melanie Griffith, uh, Howard Shore did the music, which the music in this is great because it yeah. has this great theme song the and entire it's got time. Jessica Tandy, Melanie Griffith, Dylan Walsh, Pruitt Taylor Vince. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh yeah, in the yeah. very early role. Yeah, yeah. It it's a it's a good solid movie. You know, it's I was I saw this not that long after I saw A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks. Oh, and right. I was like, this kind of feels like the like the baseline for that. Yeah, movie, yeah. Like where it came from, maybe. But this I liked better. Sure, I, I like this a, a lot, and um, it, it is. And I and I realized now I was like, oh, this is why they wanted to see on Thursday night because it's it has a slight twinge of horny, yeah, and uh, and also yeah. it is adult because they are it's rated R, they're cursing a lot, yeah. and uh, I was like, oh shit, this is this is a very established adult film and um and, and just good drama, yeah, and because uh, it's about dramedy, you know, dramedy, yeah, yeah, where Paul Newman is an old crotchety man that yeah. uh, he, living upstate New York, yep, yeah, and um and so he. What happens? He, well, he lives, in, he works, he freelances in a construction business because 
He has issues with various things that he's done wrong because he's so crotchety that he gets himself in trouble. Right. Because uh, he, he thinks he's always, he's always right. He doesn't always play by the rules, as it were. Uh, he's got a very dim-witted assistant that works by his side. Do you know who that actor is? Uh, he, he's the bad guy in Identity. He's like the killer. He has, the, he has that eye problem. Yeah, for eye... Taylor Vince. I, yeah, it... He's been in so many great movies. Oh, he's movies. so good. Um, I know him best from Jacob's Ladder. Mm. Where, remember, he's the friend who he meets in the bar, and he's telling him, like, the first guy who's, like, one of his old vets who's, like, telling him about, like, his memories of it. We should watch on Digital Noise because I've never seen it. Dude, um, Jacob's Ladder is a masterpiece. I've never seen it. It's so amazing. Okay. Uh, but, like, so... It's weird that it's a small little town and everybody kind of likes each other, even if they don't like each other. Yeah. It's, a, it's because a, like, yeah, like one of the local contractor who's suing him, who he's suing him for unpaid wages and disability. And they're like, in every way should just hate each other, but they go play poker every Saturday night. And yeah. Just, it, like, and it's Bruce Willis. Else. It's Bruce Willis. And so, I yeah. honestly thought that it, like Bruce Willis is going to be more or less a cameo. I was like, no, he's like fucking in the movie. And uh, I mean, not as much as everyone else, and, but like, and, and Paul Newman's like hitting on his wife, uh, Melanie Griffith, Melanie who's Griffith? kind of like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> I, the whole, the whole thing. I'm just like, what is this weird little town? It's a weird fucking thing. And the whole thing, he keeps stealing, Paul Newman keeps stealing Bruce Willis's snowblower. Yeah. And, yeah. And, like there's a back and forth with that. It's, so it's, like it's a, very play-y. And you then know like, what I'm talking about? Like, and then like he lives in the home of like an elderly woman played is, by Jessica Tandy. Oh my God. She's so good. Yeah, who was his eighth grade teacher. Uh, also Paul Newman is yeah. like ancient in this too. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this was definitely a later film for him. Um, it's just a fun, charming, charming as fuck little movie with a really incredibly clever script. It, it's very, it's very well written. He gets to reunite with his son, who is one of the guys from um, uh, Nip Tuck. Uh, I forget the act, actor's name. Uh, one of earlier role for him. I was like, oh fuck that guy, and um, just because oh, Dylan Walsh, yeah, yeah, yeah Dylan yeah. Walsh, and like him reuniting with his son because he he basically bailed on the family when uh, he was younger, yeah. and so he's having to deal with that at the same time, and like maybe re, you know, rekindling that uh, uh, that uh, familiar relationship, and um, and so uh, now I talked to you about this. And I, I, I appreciate John Golson wanting me to watch it because I really did enjoy it. But there is one thing that uh, I know would be kind of like, really? You cared about them? It oddly is almost too explicit with the nudity because, okay. okay. <laughs> I didn't know I would be kind of slightly offended by the nudity because it, it seems o- almost overindulgent. She's like, we got Melody Griffith. She's just showing tits. And, and she did often, to be fair. She did. But when she did this in this movie, I'm just like, why? <laughs> it's a weirdly gratuitous scene. It's gratuitous. And then there is a scene where they're playing poker. And I guess they're for some reason they're playing strip poker. And I guess Bruce Willis and the, his secretary that he's fucking is uh, is bad at as well. And they're just both nude. And she's like topless at the, the at this yeah. little bar. And, oh, she's nude. And uh, but she's topless. It's a very odd. And all the other guys, like all these older guys, I'm just like that must okay. And because then I start thinking about the actors themselves. Like this must have been so uncomfortable. It's like I am showing my tits right in front of fucking screen legend Paul Newman. But I love how like just nonplussed everyone is by the oh totally like I get it. Newman like this would be. I feel like a lesser writer would have had him be really 
um, prurient during the scene. Sure, yeah, yeah. But he's not. Everyone's just like, whatever. You know? No, totally. It like, ends up being funny because of that. It, it's uh, funny because of that. It's just, it was the most really, like, out of left field choice. And it kind of took me out of the movie. Okay. It, 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 but... I, I enjoyed overall. You were like, okay, no problem. No, yeah, uh, overall, no problem. It's just like, I, and I get it. It's just like, wow, that is such a really fucking. Because now I don't. I, I mean, I uh, boobs are great, but like, sure, yeah, yeah, we all like boobs. We all like boobs. We all grow but, up with them. Yeah, so. <laughs> but this was like the one time I was like, well, that was a little too much. I don't remember the first time I saw boobs, but I've been told I was very fond of them. <laughs> Every time I look at myself in the mirror, like, I was just like, remember, clenched you just like boobs. right on. I was just like, just <laughs> latched right on. Your mom was I, like, oh, he's a big fan. Oh, my mom still tells the story. Of like, <laughs> no! me, me like nursing and uh, there was a thunderstorm and a big bolt came and I fucking like it was teething and I fucking like drew blood. Just crunch. And she's like, that man bolt. I was like, to this day, I love biting off women's nipples. Okay. So, well, yeah, no, I bet your I wife uh, is that. very fond Nippleless. of you. Nippleless. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's true. But, they yeah, were delicious. This is this is a, a, a <laughs> we don't have any horror this week. I gotta throw in something. <laughs> Real pepperoni pizza. Um, yeah, this was a, a fun little movie. Yeah. It's it's very like you said. This is charming. The movie. Yeah, uh, it's super charming, but not in a way that feels triacly. No, you know. Yeah, it's just like I love Newman playing this grouchy old son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> and the effectiveness of him reconnecting with with his son and mm-hmm. as well as like having to mend fences eventually with his his like somewhat dim-witted co-worker but doing it in a way that you're like oh i that believe that scene this. between him and the co-worker i kind of teared up yeah it's I amazing was like it's really fucking good yeah and yeah it, it's I, the redemption of an old grunchy gr- uh, old uh, grinchy guy yeah that like just doesn't know where he is anymore or where he fits in mm-hmm. and is just sort of going through the motions at this point, just being who he's just been used to being and now having to reconsider all that. Stuff. Yeah. And I, and I like that because this could have been, this is like a um, screenwriting one one where, you yeah. know, you're just talking about, uh, you know, someone's life going on and like, it's the thing and like adaptation, like what if like nothing happens? Like, well, that's fucking boring. What's good about this is that it like, it almost portrays itself as like a day in the life of like this old crotchety guy, but it's all these things coming to a head of like, because he hasn't addressed them and it's like, and it takes place during, was it Christmas or Thanksgiving? I think it's Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. and, uh, and the holidays and his, basically his crotchetiness, like, you know, coming to haunt him finally. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's solid. It's a really yeah. solid movie. Super enjoyable. And this new Kino Lorber, a, a Blu-ray edition of this comes with a brand new audio commentary recorded by filmmaker and critic Jim Hemphill. I did not listen to it, but, and this is very rare. I, that I'm getting that's a Blu-ray.com, which mm-hmm. I tend to trust more than not for their, uh, uh, their analysis of the video and audio uh, qualities as well as for their bonus features. And they said, it's quote, it's a very, very good commentary. Oh, really? Which you rarely hear them say. That's interesting. Yeah. I did There's not... also a new program with actress Catherine Dent talking about how she got involved with this, what it was like to work with Paul Newman. Um, Who the hell is uh, Catherine Dennett? Uh, she is uh, presumably one of the actors. Was she the was she the uh, the topless uh, secretary? Uh, Catherine Dent was Charlotte Sullivan, which 
maybe. I don't oh my know. god, she was probably the goddamn probably secretary. The you know, she's like, the youngest person in the film, right? You know. Oh my yeah. god. Uh, <laughs> That's so, and then like, so I showed my tits in front of <laughs> another new program, The Origins of Nobody's Fool, which uh, the original writer Richard Russo explains how his novel came to exist, how it related to his own family life, mm. and apparently there's actually a sequel book called Everybody's Fool that he wrote. Mm. Yeah. And so he talks about that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Mm. Uh, what are we talking about next? Devotion, um, baby. Yeah. We're talking about Devotion, uh, which is a new film that came out. It's new film. And this uh, came With, out. In no way problematic now, Jonathan Majors. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how I feel about all of that. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut until like, you know. Every May I day, say things? Everyday news stories come out that feel like what's actually happening here but uh yeah i i don't know i i i will we will say we don't know and uh and if he did bad things he's a bad man yeah i don't know what actually happened but we're going to after acknowledging that and knowing that everything is kind of up in the air right now we're going to move on with just first off saying that yes that no question he's an amazing actor Yes. Uh, this was a minor film for him that yeah, came th- out in the midst of him doing a bunch of major stuff. Yeah, like he did, you know, uh, with Creed like last year, last year and, and Ant Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just like his career is taking off like crazy, and this was like this weird little okay. So you're doing a film with a supplemental character from Top Gun Maverick as your like, <laughs> as your as your <laughs> other yeah. star, it- Glenn Powell, who always. Like Glenn Powell is like Captain America if you wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like Bobo Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I will say, uh, like, w- about to watch this movie, I was like, oh, fine, because uh, I was not happy to watch this one because. Oh really? I was kind of looking. I mean, it's Jonathan Majors. I was excited well, for Jonathan. Majors. Yeah, but yeah. like, I I just knew that it was like more of a just a. It, it felt like a, a nothing film because the way that it was marketed and the way that it was reviewed. Barely marketed. Barely marketed. And then I started watching this goddamn thing. I was like, wait, I think this is like a good movie. It's okay. It's good. It's okay. But I'm it's gonna go good. With okay. Oh, you I'm don't think it's good? To just okay. Okay is like a four or five out of ten. No, 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 I don't mean that in that sort of like I mean less than okay. I mean literally, I think it's okay. It's it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Because like, I know how people do that. It's okay when they mean I think it sucked. Right. Uh, I, I think I it's don't just good. Yeah. It, like it's good. It's. I mean, they marketed it like it's Top Gun, but in the fifties. Yeah, and it's barely that because it's more about like you know racism, yeah. and uh, it's Glenn Powell plays Tom Hudner, who is uh, in early 1950s has transferred to a fighter squadron uh, uh, where he meets the only black member of the unit, who is of course played by Jonathan Majors, because um, it's also like Jesse it's Brown. It's after the war, right? Yes, yeah, uh, and so it's sort of this middle period, and it's right before the Korean War got started. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, and. They've just been told, like, hey, we have these brand new planes that are so much more powerful than your previous planes you've been used to flying. But there's a lot of, like, yeah, these are not entirely perfectly designed. They're very hard to do certain things and extremely dangerous planes. Right. So it's a lot of, like, oh, shit, how's this going to go? And there's, like, it does hit a lot of the same story points on some level as Top Gun, but it also doesn't do them with the same amount of emotional resonance. I know I feel weird saying that about Top Gun, but like when the character in here, who's one of their friends who dies because of an accident, you don't feel the same way you do about, 
about that that you do about like, Iceman. Yeah. Or not yeah. Iceman. A goose. A goose. goose. Yeah. 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 There's no question that you're not feeling the well, same Well, that's the thing is that like some of the other supplemental characters are not as established and uh, thought out as Glenn Powell and Jonathan Major's characters are yeah. because they be they are first like kind of at odds with one another and then like, are we best friends? Yep. And uh, well, it's not that, but it's not that simple. I like that. No, it's not that simple either. Like Glenn Powell comes in, like really, and this is one of my issues with the film. He comes in like I am the best white dude ever. He's just like, 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 no man, I am a hundred percent on your side, and like, I'm just here for whatever. And Jonathan Majors kind of comes off as a little bit of a dick, quite frankly. Well, just like, sure, you are a white man. Yeah, yeah, I know. And like, they overplay that card to a point where it's like, you're kind of making him not wildly sympathetic here. And I don't understand what you're trying to accomplish. Well, but then they earn that, I think. Is that like they feel they did before things happen with Jonathan Majors' character, because it's all based on a true story. um, Yeah, but probably not the character dynamics. Probably not the character dynamics, but uh, there you get to see where he's coming from of why he's so standoffish and closed off, yeah, and uh, which makes sense for the fifties. Yeah, and, and it, a- I thought it was uh, I thought that was powerful. And now, granted, it, to your point, Glenn Powell playing uh, Mr. White, good man, and uh, Mr. White yeah, Goodman, Mr. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Perfect White Man, yeah, yeah uh, just like, like I don't even I don't see color. Exactly. <laughs> he feels it's, like that guy. It's it's like, wow, you were that progressive in the nineteen fucking fifties. I was like, where were you this entire time? Yeah. And uh, granted, he could have been. He totally could have been. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like what the real story is. The point is the way this film chooses to address that relationship. And yeah. at points, it does in fact work. In fact, I will say. There's a really the moment where the, the the scenes where they really actually connect are where this film is at its best. Yeah, especially when they have shore leave in Cannes and France. That was pretty great. And uh, Jonathan Majors encounters Elizabeth Taylor. Is like, hey, yeah, why don't you come over to the the super expensive like exclusive casino? Yeah, you're like you're just. Tell him I invited you. And so he tells his friend, yeah, I met Elizabeth Taylor. Like, come on, man. You didn't meet Elizabeth Taylor. And he's like, I really did. And they're like, we'll see. And they get there and then they're like, oh shit, you're on the list. And after them being really racist about like, we're not letting a black person in here. Well, but- first, like, no, you don't know who t- Elizabeth Taylor is. Yeah. And then Jonathan Major- also Jonathan Majors is like too good at his like job and he also speaks like 18 languages or something yeah. and then he just starts speaking French out of nowhere and they're like oh okay and like he's really good at putting everyone in their place very quickly yes yeah. uh, Majors is great Powell is doing exactly what he's supposed to do but he's <laughs> still he's trying so hard to not be punchable but my god he's still so punchable I'm sorry I think I mean he's very punchable but like even in the end when the uh they are they finally get to fight because that's the thing is like that they've been training it's like um it actually reminded me of glory a little bit okay where uh the 54th regiment um the the first black regiment in the civil war wasn't basically put to task because they're just like well they they didn't take them seriously Mm. and then matthew broderick's character uh colonel shaw was finally like oh well let's I, i he signed up like no i want them to do this i want to prove that we can fight and so they finally get the same kind of uh, opportunity to do so because all they've been doing is just basically flying these new planes and just like, well, we'll see what happens. And finally, like, oh, no, there is a situation we need to get, use you guys. And you're like the best at doing this. And 
when some bad shit happens to Jonathan Majors, like I kind of felt Glenn Powell's like, oh, you're finally like acting, <laughs> and like, and I really felt the relationship, and I, I thought he was to good. To some extent, I also thought that all that was like trying to appeal to one of my favorite things that really gets to me in film, Noble Sacrifice, but yeah, yeah. I didn't think it worked in the story it was I a was little like, it, it was is... slightly odd yeah. uh the way that it all happened uh, granted it was probably very accurate of how it yeah, happened no i think they were going with accuracy yeah on that one and like trying their best to make it work yeah but, yeah and it was just like oh well, this is just a little it's it, it felt messier than the rest of the film you yeah. know and it just yes. it felt like a little off kilter i do think this is very much worth seeing i don't think it's essential or by no, any means no, no, but no. like like if you're looking for the you know a hidden Jonathan Majors gem. This ain't it. If you're looking for like, oh, period piece, Top Gun, Maverick. <laughs> I, no, it's not how about that this? either. If you're trying to look for a hidden, a hidden Jonathan Majors film, this is not it. But if you're trying to look for a hidden Glenn Power film, <laughs> this, this is, is it. it. Probably <laughs> it. Yeah, probably it. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Let me be very clear. I don't think the guy's a bad actor. It's just his face. He has an unfortunate face. That is Listen, just, it's, just say, it's the way he smiles that he has that whole, like, it's, it's like, oh my God. It's like when, um, uh, uh, oh my God, what's his name? ER, when, when, when uh, Nathan Flynn talks about Top Gun, yeah, it, like, it makes oh, you, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name? Ocean's 11 ER, um, uh, uh, George Clooney. Yeah. It's when George Clooney first started and he used to do that little weird head bob thing, you know, mm. where you're just like, man, I want to hit you so bad. Like, like you're just you like, have this time. whole, like, I am totally better than you type of the head nod. I mean, which he had to be told to stop doing. And he oh, really? finally did. Yeah. Right, well, that was a big thing. He's talked about it in interviews. Like, look, I forget what director was like, dude, cut that shit out. Probably Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> probably Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. He was like, dude, seriously, that's embarrassing. It makes you look like a prick. <laughs> and I, there's something about just this guy's face that is the George Clooney head bob. Look. He, he, I think he is, uh, I think it's a competent actor. Yeah. He's a very good looking man. Um, sure. And I, I, I wish him the best. Yeah. No, I do too. I don't really directly have anything against him. There's just something about him that I'm, maybe like there's some childhood shit that I'm repressing that I'm just like, you remind me of a bully I used to have or something. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just something about him that right. is, he played it perfectly in Top Gun Maverick. He right. was perfectly cast for that role where I'm like, yeah, that's That's you. him. But him playing like the perfect white man, like unracist white. I don't see color white man. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay. It's like, hold, whatever. Hold your horses, white Goodman. Okay. <laughs> white Goodman. <laughs> see, there needs to be a parody of these type of films. Like, you know, like an airplane style. My name's White Goodman. <laughs> well, that was in like Mystic Rivers. Uh, <laughs> Mystic River when, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne played, played his character's name. Remember what his character's <laughs> name was? No. <laughs> are you are you ready? I'm sorry, what? Whitey Powers. Wow. Whitey Powers. That's, I mean, Mr. Grimm is a very, good movie, though. A Boston white man wrote that book with that character's name. That book is great. I Yes, it is. Everything by that writer is great. It is. Uh, Dan- Dennis Lehan is <laughs> yeah. great. Uh, and uh, one of the best adaptations, although I still think the best adaptation of his is the one that had, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the brother. It was like a serial killer mystery. Um, yeah, motherfucker, why can't you just know what it is when Wait, I say Wait, serial killer mystery. Uh, oh, 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 Shutter Island. Uh, no, but that is also a pretty good 
adaptation of Land's work. Although a lot of people didn't like that one. I thought it was pretty good. I, think I the, love that movie. I think the book is better again. Oh, okay. um, uh, but Gone Baby Gone. Oh, yeah, that's directed by yeah. Ben Affleck. Yeah, Ben Affleck. Still yeah. the best Ben Affleck directed film, I think. The town's pretty good. Uh, they're they've all been pretty good. Ben Affleck's a Live much by better Night director. Is garbage. Okay, you're right. That one's not pretty good. But, yeah, that's uh, and awful. Air is very good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, I'm still a little weird about um, the whole yay corporate, but you know, it's oh, like sure. a, it's like a sports underdog success story, except For about Nike. a corporate executive, and I'm yeah. just like. I feel a little sick to my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Come on, Nike. Like you're fine. If you've never read, uh, uh, Dennis Leon's books, they are incredible. The, the, the series that gone baby gone, which is, I think the third book in the series actually, it's a series. Oh yeah. There's like eight of them. What? They're they're incredible. Wow. I didn't know. They're just, they are so fucked up. (laughs) Really dark and fucked up. They're really good. Anyway, uh, devotion. There's not a lot of extra stuff here because it honestly didn't do all that well in theaters, but there's the aviation of a forgotten war for 11 minutes, uh, casting crew talking about the, you know, everything there's 12 minutes about the legacy of Jesse Brown, which focuses on the real life of the character Jonathan Majors played in the film, which is probably the main reason to watch the extras here. Right. We're going to go into our last uh, selection, which is my pick of the week. I don't know if you agree, which is three colors trilogy being re-released by criterion. This is a, it literally three films, uh, blue, white, and red, or as you can say, well, whatever order you want. I yeah, guess. no, it is blue, white, and yeah. red. Um, yeah, that's the order that they're released, which and... are the colors of the French flag. Yep. Uh, and are directly related to the things that those colors are supposed to mean in the French flag, but uh, like liberty, uh, uh, equality and fraternity. Yes. Uh, but the, Polish director here. Uh, whose P- name? Please pronounce his name. No, my God. Krzysztof Kulowski. Is that how it's actually pronounced? Yeah. Okay. You did your research because there's consonants next to each other that don't belong next to each Look, other. Look, you know what I love about that? Again, I'm such a good actor. I just made that up. Did you? Well, that sounds right. It does sound right, yeah. though, right? Yeah. I, I'm going to go with that's probably how I would I mean, have said it. it looks like phonetically, even just like the Polish way, because it is, there's a lot of Z's and Y's. But uh, Christoph Kalowski. But this is uh, considered to be maybe the greatest like collection of art cinema, foreign art cinema ever, ma- maybe ever made. Yeah, I mean, like, he did Decalogue in the in these, and everyone's kind of like, uh, these these are all the best. Yeah, Decalogue I had issues with, but it's oh. well worth watching. Um, it's long. Yeah, it's uh, like ten hours, right? Yeah. Um, but this is I've watched this probably five times now. Uh, in fact, the first time I was married, the only thing I put that was just for me on our wedding list was the Criterion Blu-ray collection. <laughs> of this. But, like, my wife liked it too, but I was like, I'm going to put this on here just because I really My God, it's like, yeah. I don't want napkins. I don't want uh, new dishes. <laughs> I just, really I want, just want the three colors. I was just so blown away by this. I saw this in the theater and I was like, wow. Wow. This so you saw this when it first came out? Yeah. Holy shit. And I, I'm, I don't understand i didn't understand why i liked it as much as i did when i first saw it i was mm-hmm. just devastated by all three i was like yeah. these are such incredibly well-made films and this is not the normal sort of stuff that 
I grab onto. Right. Because right. these are not genre films, no. really. I mean, there's genre elements, but like it's right. maybe not... more maybe in the uh, well, maybe more in the second and third one. Yeah. Um, Blue and red. Um, it, the those two received nominations for best director, best original screenplay, and best cinematography. But even though there weren't wins, they are widely considered to be about the height of like this sort of cinema. Yeah. I, and so there's a reason why Criterion re-released it on 4k. Cause it, they look fucking amazing. Incredible. So I've known about these films for a number of years now. And, uh, it, there's a work at Waterloo video. There's, there's always like a few things that I needed to watch. It's like, I needed to watch the infernal affairs trilogy. Uh, why the wire is the best TV show ever made and three colors. I don't know about the wire being the best. TV well, show you're fucking made. wrong. Cause it is. Uh, and the shield was better. Uh, we've had this debate and I swear to fucking God, everyone is wrong. Who says the other thing? Oh my God. The, have you watched the shield? No, because so I don't know what it is. It's going to be stupid. So you're uneducated. No, it doesn't fucking matter. The wire is amazing. <laughs> um, but I, I, again, why I love doing this show. Deadwood was better too. Jesus, fuck. Uh, stop it. Stop it. Just stop. Goddamn cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, when you uh, gave this to me, I was like, oh my God, I finally get to, to watch these. Yeah. I, I hadn't do I, I know you were yet. excited when I told you I got them. You're like, please give them to me because yeah. I've been meaning to watch these. And forever. so when, I, and there's that thing that, you know, if you, you know, when you have, when you're, you're kind of mentally preparing yourself for a, a foreign film, but also very like dramatic, you know, and, it's uh, going to be very arty and arty. And, and like, it, it, so this is it. that. And like, it's prestige. What if I'm the guy who doesn't like, exactly. Um, and I watched these and I could not believe how fucking amazing they were. Yeah. They're just as good as everybody said they were, weren't they? They totally yeah. are. Uh, Waterloo uh, records. Right. <laughs> uh, all those hipster douchebags. Right. Can, can I be clear? These are not watch them with your friends movies. No, these are not have a few drinks and watch them movies. No, these are put them in, in a quiet room, turn the volume way up, make sure you're watching them on a, the best quality. T- I mean, you're watching them on 4k, hopefully this version Dude. of them on a 4k TV, because you can really see the astonishing cinematography and it, use of color and light that's I, going on. Here. I can't, I cannot. So, this these movies are why pretentious dickhead filmmakers want to make movies. I think <laughs> like they need to watch these films because yeah. they get to see not only just the just incredible acting and screenwriting uh, that's being portrayed on film, but also just the the cinematography and the use of lighting and color is so insanely good to say the both uh, all three sort of uh, more or less focus on female characters here uh um, the, the second one not so much but uh, like uh, uh um uh i guess one? should we talk about I like forget which one's the second one a uh, white white okay the, so because that's the guy the but, polish guy but ultimately sort of julie delpy is the third man of the film so it's all right. about her even though it's through the point of view of the guy right but right she is really i mean she's the poster character she's the main character. yeah because i remember seeing the poster i was like wait she's barely in and this julia banouche and blue and irene jacob and red all right three, all three of which major french actresses right who went on to even bigger and better things after this yeah um yeah, 
Uh, they, Do we want to talk amazing. about what the films are, like what Blue's about? Well, I want to hear your description of that. Okay. Because all three of them have their own thing going on, even though they all intertwine to some degree. In, in some degree. Or in themes, I, I guess. Well, like, I mean, even with characters. In some, some yeah, characters, yeah. In a very minor way. Right, but, right. Uh, so uh, Blue, Juliette uh, Binoche, is, uh, she is married to a, like, a world-famous uh, composer, Tar. And, um, and <laughs> she's not married to tar. She's not married to tar. Um, Although and, I, I saw a thing the other day. It was like a fake Fortnite ad. We're like, you can now play as tar. I saw that. <laughs> I, I love how the movie is like living on past everything. Yeah. Um, in this odd, like <laughs> just like social media. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, uh, so Jillian Benoche is, um, is married to this uh, famous composer and they have a kid together. And immediately in the very beginning of the movie, they're in a car wreck and both of them die. And so she is living without her husband and her daughter. And so it basically follows her living in the aftermath of this. And, you know, not only going through PTSD, but also understanding like who she is as a person, like living after her love loves of her life. And, um, and then also finding out more about her, her husband. And, uh, and coming to terms with that and meeting just a few different people, but also her, like a, a close friend of theirs who evidently was in love with her the entire time. And just, it's, it's very sad, but also so interesting to watch her act through this because she has a mother that's going through Alzheimer's who does not know that basically her life has been wrecked to hell and back and her, her basically being utterly alone and then having to, come to terms with that she's not actually alone and she's like fighting that and it's so interesting and so well done and then again the rest about the the husband and his whatever he else was doing at the same time and then um yeah it's so cool um so so well it's like acting at its best and yeah. the cinematography and like and again you, you mentioned this about the 4k like all three of these, and I'll talk about white and red in a minute, but like keep in mind the name, the, the names of the films are deeply reflected in the look of the films. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Blue There's the blue tint. Blue. Yeah. It's always red is very yeah. red, but it's not as simple as just tinting everything that way. No, no. It's like incredible choices of like mm-hmm. where they're choosing to shoot it that reflect those things in the, uh, you know it's lighting but it's lighting done in a way that's subtly interesting and yes yeah it's, yeah. Just, it's not overbearing to where yeah. it's, it doesn't look like you know the matrix or like traffic yeah, or something not, like that or giallo or something right yeah. exactly and um like it means something when it's done in the first place but also, again subtly done but um the i have not seen <laughs> I, I could not believe these were done in 1993 1994 Mm-hmm. Because like uh, Fist of Legend, and then uh, like that was done in 1994 as well. Yeah, and then the Fuck uh, Fung So or whatever Fung, they're called. Oh yeah, Fung, uh, Fung Yeah, uh, they were done in 1993 as well. And like it is fucking night and day of how well done. Now, granted, I know it's a completely different, totally style. different world, to- totally yeah. different world. But I just I I could not believe that these were done. What what is well, that? As you said, almost thirty years you said ago. Earlier, it was like this felt like could have come out yesterday. It could have come and out they yesterday. Do, they do feel that way. It's in, insane how well done and how well the is, transfer how is. How good the transfer is that that it makes it feel <coughs> like a really great four K transfer does. Where from original film you go, 
oh yeah, this like you're there's no artifacts, there's no dating, no. there's just everything looks brand new. It, and but it's just the way even the mm-hmm. technique of filming, especially in red, where it looks like like fucking Roger Deakins just shot this like two hours ago. Well you ago. just talked about what blue is about. What is white uh, white about? So white is <laughs> it the the gritty slash comedy uh that uh that is that he's it is doing the it. more comedy it's described as a comedy drama. I mean which the comedy uh, is there it, it's light as hell too, because it's yeah. like wow, this is fucking grim. <laughs> and, yeah. Um but it's about this Polish guy who is going through a divorce with his French wife uh, right out of the gates. And, uh, and it's mainly because he can't get it up. And, uh, and that's, that's about yeah, it. No, literally, he like it has I, to explain the it. The moment they got married, he could no longer have sex. Right. So she's suing, saying a non, uh, what's the term? Like, uh, con- uh, uh, they didn't consummate the marriage. Yeah, consummate the marriage. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so she's, uh, divorcing him, taking everything that's for that he's Julie worth. Delpy. Julie yeah. Delpy. And, um, and so he's basically left with like literally nothing. And mm-hmm. so this, uh, kind of, like Polish man who happens to be there and he also is Polish. So he's in France. So he can't, he doesn't even like really understand Julie Delpy either. Like, cause she's French as hell. And, uh, and she just like, you don't, she's talking to him at some point. like, you don't even understand what I'm saying. And he's like, you love me. <laughs> and, uh, and so he's left with nothing. And then he had devises this whole plan to basically go back to Poland, yeah. to Warsaw. And, uh, and it's just like the series this of crazy like crazy fucked up plan. That's fucked up not plan. No idea. No. And then it's like this, how to succeed in business without really trying story all of a sudden uh-huh. where he rises to become like this crazy businessman and then it turns into a really like kind of fun revenge film that Mm -hmm. you don't know is a revenge film until the very end i remember reading the story is like oh and he's he's plotting revenge like it says on the dvd and when you watch the movie you're like wait what yeah like you don't get that until like it happens yeah you're like oh what and what i love is kind of like there's a sort of like yeah, I had that coming. <laughs> yeah. I was and like, oh, wow. Holy shit. Still really, really good. Uh, not as great as the other two, I would say. No. But still, I mean, that saying that is like, you know, and, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's like and, saying A New Hope isn't as good as Empire. Right, exactly. <laughs> and like with the, the, the main actor, I forget his name. Um, he's uh, Zbigniew Zamachowski. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where it is. Yeah. Anyway, he's really great in it because he carries the story. Because Julie Delpy is only in it like a few times at the very beginning. And then she comes towards back, basically back in the end. And it just it's rests on his shoulders. And the last film in here, Red, which when it came out, uh, the director said this is going to be his final film, and it turned out to be true because he died right afterwards. Yeah, just a, what a couple years later or yeah, something like that. Nineteen ninety six. This uh, movie, the look of this movie is stupid. It's so he means gorgeous. That, no, it's so gorgeous that you're like, what the fuck? I ca- <laughs> I can't I can't get over it. Like they they're okay. It's about a model. Who, yeah. um, uh, uh, played by Irene, the wonderful, gorgeous Irene Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, uh, um, won for a Cannes Film Festival award for best actress for a previous film by the same director, which is also amazing called The Double Life of Veronica. Oh, yeah. I've always wanted to yeah. watch that. Um, she hits a dog. She takes it back to the owner. She finds out where the owner is and this old man. And he, she finds out that he basically loves to spy and listen to phone calls of people. And he's an old judge and they form this odd relationship. And 
there are scenes where it's literally just them two talking about life and the idea of like of just life in general of like what how their lives are being led and um well look he's an old judge right yeah and like it starts he's got like accusations of all the shit against him and he's not a good guy no right like but he's also kind of like come to terms with the fact that like yeah i fucked up yeah at the same time like yeah i made a mistake and their whole weird version of a meet cute i mean they're not gonna hook up no it's not no. that type of thing right but they have this sort of like she's there like i shouldn't like you i kind of i'm just really kind of curious what's going on here yeah she she forms this curiosity about like also eavesdropping as well yeah. with these people and learning about yeah, his life because he, he puts her to the test and like it's a really great scene where he listens to this phone call this man next door of his house who is having a call with a, his gay lover. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, he's like, do you want to tell, uh, like call him out like that? I'm, um, eavesdropping. Go ahead, go for it. And then yeah. she goes over there, but the guy is married, has yeah. a daughter. Yeah. And she's like, if I do this, it's, it, it will ruin the, all their lives. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, exactly. Why did you do that? And it's a very interesting conversation and what i'm trying to say is like there are conversations between them just at his house that are the most gorgeously shot yeah like just two like two camera setup stuff yeah it's like how how did you make that that a a very like in 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 traditional like just any other movie that it would be a banal just no big deal like two people talking about like life and love Make it look look like the most incredible thing I've one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Oh, a hundred percent agree with you. And it's so, it's not showy. No, and that's it's, the thing. That's, that's, that was so crazy. That's like the, thing. the use of shadow, the use of the lighting, the yeah. use of natural it's lighting. Just that every shot in it, it's is just st- kind of perfect. It's stupid. It's it, it, that's what I was thinking the entire time. Was like every single shot in this movie is one not wasted. Two could be its own like just photograph yeah. or a portrait yeah it's insane and again this isn't like oh this is a 17 minute tracking shot type of thing mm. or like something like that it's like no it's it's why we say you have to just sit and pay attention to this these films because it really is master class in yeah. filmmaking and cinematography yeah. and acting even you know oh totally acting. Like, and but uh, the, the the story is still extremely interesting and engaging yeah. it's not like it's boring these are hour and a half movies yeah it, which is crazy because yeah. i was expecting like oh they're three hour slogs or whatever no, it is like not well, at all not at all nothing about and, these are slogs and, and like and they're like it, i mean it keeps up the pace like they don't waste time but like when they want to sit down and they want to talk it does like all right let's slow down but you're paying attention to what they're talking because it's yeah. all about character development and what i loved i think my, my favorite is definitely red yeah, um me too where the cyclical nature of how the story ended up being told i was like whoa it kind of blew my mind where i was still like did I just accidentally watch also kind of like a time travel, like, like the time machine? Like, like what said, is I've this? I've watched these like about five times and every time I see them, which is, you know, separated by years and years and years, I get something completely different out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, these are those type of films. There's so many layers upon layers of meaning and subtext, mm-hmm. or you can just watch them straight. You know, that's cool too. And you'll enjoy them on that level as well. But there's so much going on in these. It they're just 
they're just flat out masterpieces. Every single one. Yeah. Like this I mean, is a, an essential, not just watch, but own in my opinion. Totally. And I think like if you're very serious about film, you want to be involved in film. You want to make really good films and understand film. These are films worth of study. Oh, totally. I, I think that, um, again, with like with the acting and the screenwriting and just the way that it's shot, it's like you study these and you, you start to realize like what I think that, uh, um, uh, Christoph uh, Kowalski. As um, he picks up the box again, you know, uh, like, uh, Chris, 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 Chris Crosscox. Chris Crosscox, uh, yes. I directed these. <laughs> it's true. I'm Polish. Uh, <laughs> that, Only in sense of the old jokes in the 80s. <laughs> he, it, it felt like, um, he, he, yes, he was a, a master at what he was doing, but he really wanted to, um, like, just really talk about the human condition mm -hmm. and um and he did it in a, such a, a just a masterful like metaphorical way that's not overbearing and um and it just it really is just like lightning in a bottle for all three movies like it's kind of crazy that he i'm assuming had this plan of making a trilogy about each like the different uh reasons of why blue white and red are on the flag of france in the begin with um and had these themes like you know mildly throughout that are again not overbearing and i think that for any budding filmmaker or just like cinephile that wants to really see something that is um you would assume is pretentious as fuck is this transcends that yes agreed and I would go through the list of all the bonus features here, but it would take an extra 10 minutes. Yeah, there's so there's much shit. so much, including mini documentaries, yeah. um, lots of stuff. Like, the director clearly knew that he had made his masterpiece, and yeah. he did lots of interviews about it, as did a lot of the actors here. There's an 80-page bound book booklet it's in so cool with just tons of information and essays about the series. I'm going to fight you for this whole thing. I'm like, <laughs> no, that I, one you cannot take. Yeah, that no. one is mine. <laughs> Let me be like, clear. I this this is well, we can get to the end of this, but like this is I know you said this to pick of the week yeah, uh, by no far. Just a, yeah, no question. Like, and we had a good week. There's a lot of good stuff on our show this week. Sure, but this one is like, come on, it, this yeah. is like not just like it's three masterpieces. Put together with the ultimate package, upgraded mm -hmm. ultimately to 4K in an excellent way. And honestly, anyone, anybody listening to this, if you're really that interested in film, listen to what we're telling you. Watch these in a serious sort of scholarly manner. They will delight you. They will entertain you. Yeah. Uh, and they will just put you in awe They'll of just like how you did. They'll you make didn't, you hungry for more. You, you make you hungry for more. It's like, but you didn't know yeah. that movies could look and be this good. Yeah, agreed. And 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 I know this is again the whole thing about uh, uh, watching physical media. That this 4K transfer is like I I I can't imagine. Like it, it really felt like I'm assuming how you felt when you're watching these in 1993, 1994. It's like holy shit, this is like watching it in the fucking theater, and it's like crisp. It was yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly how I felt when I well, saw sure, them there of course. because that was, you know, it feels like centuries ago now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yes, I've seen them many times since then. Watching, I rewatched all three of these again because, of course, I did. Sure. On four, I was so excited when yeah. they put these. I had to think about it for a minute because this was a good month of stuff. There was like, oh, there's a whole bunch of shit this month that I want, 
and I already own the Blu-ray version of this exact same set from Criterion. Yeah. But it's blue, white, and red. I I don't want the best possible version of this set. I'll say, oh my God. I finally get those hipster douchebags. I get it, and you were right. You are that hipster douchebag. (laughs) And now I've infected you like a hipster douchebag vampire. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's that good. Thank you for listening to Digital Noise. Please, for once, listen to us and just pick up the set. Yeah, you fucking assholes. Seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> fuck them! What's the fuck? Fuck our audience. They can go to fucking hell. This is not how we get listeners. Oh, it's not? No. Oh. No. We love you, audience. You're great. Mm. Right is the asshole. Yeah.